In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Be seated. What do you expect? Sometimes this question is used to express disappointment. Of course he broke his promise. What do you expect? Before the Advent and Christmas seasons are over, you might find yourself asking that question. Especially if this season doesn't seem to have the same joy as years past. But as we begin a new church year, let's ask a slightly different question. What will you expect? What do you expect this church year to bring you? You could, of course, expect Christmas and presents. Perhaps you might expect, or, or at least hope for, a white Christmas. Maybe you just expect a year-end celebration of neighborly good. Now, there's nothing wrong with these kinds of expectations, but there's something missing. For although the world expects Christmas and peace on earth and goodwill toward men, it misses the entire point. For all of its expectation, the world doesn't expect Jesus. It doesn't see a use for him, at least not as the only God. But Christians are different. Christians expect Christ. We are expecting that Jesus will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. It is what he promised. At the day and the hour of the Father's choosing, Jesus will keep his promise. He will come back to rescue you. Yet few people of our day seem to share this expectation. At this time of year, some may acknowledge that Jesus came once, many, many Christmases ago. But who expects a Jesus who will return to judge anyone? The world might acknowledge the history of Jesus' first coming, but it's just too much to think that Jesus will return in judgment. Now, the world's expectation is that this month will bring a year-end festival of goodwill and gift-giving, and so it acts accordingly. Eating and drinking, buying and selling, giving and getting are the orders of the day. For now, life goes on, so eat, drink, and be merry. Besides, even if there is a judgment coming, I'm a pretty good person, Certainly God wouldn't send me to hell. If there is no Savior coming, then you'd better get all the enjoyment out of this life that you can. But Christians have a different expectation. We expect Jesus to come again in glory. We do not know what day he will come, but we know that he will. And so knowing that future that awaits us, we prepare accordingly. We get ready for our Lord's second coming. We prepare by receiving him as he comes to us week by week in word and sacraments. 
And in the divine service, we join our joyful songs with all those who have received Jesus. In the Gloria and Excelsis, we sing the song of the Christmas angels as they tell of their great glad tidings. Glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth. Before communion, we sing the holy, holy, holy hymn of the angels in heaven. And we stand among the Palm Sunday crowd as they chant, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Then we are John the Baptist, proclaiming that in communion the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, is here on our altar. The communion liturgy ends with us joining St. Simeon at the temple, confessing that we are ready to die in peace because we have seen our Lord's salvation. Yes, while we expect Christ, the world expects a celebration called Christmas. The world doesn't expect Jesus at the end, and it doesn't expect Jesus now. Rather, they expect that in the end, most, if not all, will go to some sort of paradise, or that more simply, death is just the end of this reality that we call life. At the end, the world will be going about its business of not expecting Jesus, of eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. But at an unexpected hour, the thief will come, and they will be surprised. As it was in the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man, says Jesus. Day by day, for 120 years, Noah and his sons worked to build the ark. Day by day, for 120 years, Noah preached the coming destruction. Anyone who listened could be saved. They had 120 years to repent. The message was preached to all. Come join the little congregation of eight and be rescued from the coming storm. But though Noah preached for 120 years, no one besides his own family joined him on that ark. And when the flood finally came, the people who had heard that preaching were suddenly surprised to learn that it was true. They were surprised because they didn't expect God to do what he promised. Among the people of Noah's day, this thought reigned. There will be no judgment. There's no reason to repent. In the end, it doesn't matter what you believe. In the end, although in the end, there's only one group. And the fate of everyone will be the same. You can take whatever path to God and give that deity whatever name you wish, even if it's no God at all. It's what we hear at many funerals. The deceased is in a better place now, whatever that place might be for him or her. But Jesus teaches us to expect something different. With the end, Jesus describes two different realities. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, 
One will be taken and one left. At the end, there will be two destinations. There will be division, one from another. All nations will be divided into sheep and goats. All people will be known by whether they are in Christ or separate from him, as being in the ark of the church or outside of it, as believing or unbelieving, as saved or damned. Now, the world expects Christmas and a new year at the end of this month. We expect Christ at the end of the world. The world expects either there will be nothing at the end of the world or that we'll all go to the same place. Yet we know to expect something glorious for some and something horrible for others. Yet the world seems to expect that if there is going to be any sort of judgment at all, it will see it coming. They think there will be a last-minute opportunity to repent. Yet we can say with certainty that the person who resolves to repent later will not be prepared. They will be like those in the days of Noah who thought there was at least one more day before the watery judgment. For we expect Jesus will come unexpectedly on that last day. And we also expect him to come to us even now. Though at the end, Jesus comes with rescue only for those who are in him. At his first coming, and even now, he comes to rescue all. In fact, I think we might even say the world confuses Jesus' comings. The world wants to say that at Jesus' first coming, he didn't come for all. Sure, Jesus and his message might be true for you, but it's not true for me. Some think they aren't bad enough to require Jesus to die. They think they can attain heaven by their own good works. And others think they are too lost. Their sins are too great. Surely Jesus does not and cannot love them. Some even go so far as to say that Jesus' death didn't win salvation for anyone. It was only an example showing us how to love. There are even some churches that teach that when Jesus died, he didn't die for all. They say that Jesus' death was only for some. Yet the scriptures speak clearly against this error. Galatians 4 says he was born under the law to redeem those under the law. Do you know anyone anywhere who's not under the law? And Isaiah says the iniquity of us all was laid upon him. John the Baptist emphasizes the point saying, behold, the Lamb of God who carries away the sins of the world. Do you know anyone without sin? Is there anyone who is excluded from our Lord's love of the whole world? Yet even so, the world wants us to think that Jesus' first coming wasn't to save everyone. And at the same time, it wrongly concludes that Jesus' second coming will be to save everyone. So how do we get out of this mess? How are we to rightly prepare for Jesus' coming? 
we get ready for Jesus' second coming by receiving him as he comes to us now. Last Sunday, we heard about the end, how everything culminates in Jesus' crucifixion and death and resurrection, how the king is crowned and there he redeems all nations. From that cross, life goes forth. Even as Jesus preached, Father, forgive them from the cross, he sends out pastors who are authorized to preach the same thing. And so Jesus comes to us in humble, ordinary-looking means. Water and word that together give life. Pastors who speak with the Lord's own authority. Bread and wine that he promises are his body and blood. For these things are how God has promised to give himself to us now. And so we receive Jesus now so that he will receive us when he comes again in glory on the last day. We pray, come Lord Jesus, and we look to what he has promised, confident that he will keep his word. And when he comes again in glory on the last day, we will expect to welcome him with joy even as he welcomes us into his kingdom. So this Advent and every Sunday, expect Jesus, because he told you that everyone who is baptized into Jesus has put him on. Everyone who hears the voice of absolution has heard the very voice of Jesus. Jesus has told you that this wine and this bread are his body and blood. Yes, by coming to where Jesus has promised to be, we learn to expect him. Though he may come in the end at an hour you do not expect, you have been formed by his word to expect him. I remember I have been baptized into his death and resurrection. So daily in my baptism, he drowns my sinful nature and resurrects a forgiven, holy, and new person. And because I expect that in this life I will have trial and tribulation, suffering, doubt, and pain, each week I come for bread and wine, which are his body and blood. There he preaches to me that he is present with me in my struggle and guarantees me victory. So we expect what the world does not. And on the last day, no Christian will be told, you expected too much. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. The peace of God keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. We stand for the prayers.